Come in. Come into this place. This place which we make holy by our presence. Come in. <laughs> With all your vulnerabilities and your strengths. Fears and anxieties. Loves and hopes. For here, you need not hide, nor pretend, nor be anything other than who you are and who you are called to be. Come into this place where we can touch and be touched, heal and be healed, forgive and be forgiven. Come into this place where the ordinary is sanctified, the human is celebrated, the compassionate is expected. Come into this place. Together we make it a holy place. Words by Rebecca Edmiston Langer to welcome us here this morning. So good morning everybody and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, created by all who are here this day, all who listen to us in our podcasts, and all who join us for other activities during the week. It's another warm summer's day today, isn't it? And I remind you, please make yourselves comfortable. Go out and get water, move if you're the one who's got the sunbeam shining down upon you at any point. So yes, it's hot, but, but I think I'm not alone in having an awareness of, of chill winds blowing. The chill winds of economic uncertainty in too many people's lives. The chill winds of political systems where truth and honesty seem to be sometimes in short supply. The chill winds of societies that turn one group against another. So all the more reason for us to open the doors, welcome people in and remind ourselves that all are welcome here. So let's take a moment to feel what such a welcome might mean for us this morning that we are welcome here with whatever we bring, no need to be anything other than ourselves. And our simple chalice flame connecting us with Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist communities the world over that's reminding us with its one flame that we are one people, part of the interdependent web of all existence, kindred pilgrim souls, one and all. And today we're going to celebrate a flower communion together. You may have brought a flower or stolen one from a nearby garden or chosen one from the vases as you came in. And the bowl here on our central table um, represents this congregation. So during the first hymn, we invite you to uh, take a flower and place it in our central communal bowl. It, um, if there's one rule I've learnt from years of teaching, it's, it's don't promise something to children and then don't 
come good with that. And I'm very pleased they've all left the room because I had promised a giant golden fish that needed to be waved today and then I just didn't get round to cutting the darn thing out. <laughs> so the rest of you, just imagine a large golden fish at periodic moments of this story. And um, you may know this tale of the fisherman and the golden fish because it's, um, it's a poem by uh, Pushkin, as, as well as found in Grimm's fairy tales and probably far more ancient sources than that. Um, and really, I can only praise it today. But imagine the scene. Um, an old man and his wife living on the shores of a blue sea, very poor, living in a mud hut, making their living through fishing and spinning cloth if they could ever manage to get the cotton and then one day that fisherman caught a golden fish a small golden fish in his net and the fish begged him let me go old man and i will reward you for my freedom by giving you anything you desire and the fisherman was astonished and a bit frightened he'd never heard a fish speak he let the fish go and kindly said to her, God bless you, golden fish, I don't need anything from you. It's a lovely story, isn't it? But then he went home and he told the story to his wife who saw life a little bit differently and <laughs> was absolutely furious with him for not making a wish whilst he had the chance. At least, she said, you could have asked for a watering trough since ours is broken. And off he went back to the sea and he called the golden fish and the fish arrived. What do you need, old man? That fish asked. And he bowed to the fish. He asked for the watering trough. And of course, the fish comforted him, told him to go home. And what was there when he got home? The new watering trough. And all was well, except it wasn't. Because within a few weeks, his wife was thinking of all the other things that could have been asked for. I mean, where would you begin? She chose the new house and insisted that her husband went back and asked the golden fish for that new house with a gate. And she shouted at him. She called him a fool. I don't want to be a peasant, an ordinary person. I want to be noble. I need that house. And so he went back. He asked for the fish. He returned home and indeed he found that his wife was already sitting in that house. But her demands went on and on as the weeks went by. The fur coat, the embroidered headdress, the servants, everything she wanted, the gold rings, on and on and on it went. And she was ever crueler to that husband of hers, who frightened, did as he was told, and kept returning to the golden fish on the shore and asking for more and more and more. Finally, she forced him to go back and to ask that she be made the queen of all the land and the empress of all the seas and that she would have complete control of everything. He went back, he asked for that and for the first time the fish 
said nothing, no kind words. The fish just turned around and left. And when the fisherman went back, his wife was old and poor and sitting outside a mud hut with a broken watering trough. And that is Pushkin's tale of the fisherman and the golden fish. And it leaves us, leads us now into a time of prayer and reflection. So let us ready ourselves for prayer, aligning ourselves with that which we hold to be of worth. Our highest self, the power of love and light, the God of our hearts and our understanding. As we heard of the fisherman's wife who wanted more and more, let's acknowledge the, the grasping, demanding aspects of ourselves. Let us hold such parts of ourselves in gentle awareness. Are there people in our lives who we are finding difficult at the moment? If we can, let us hold them in gentle acceptance and even forgiveness if this feels like a time to forgive. Are there elements of life in the world that we are particularly concerned about at the moment? As we hold them in loving awareness, perhaps some insight will come to us of a useful action we might take. And in a short time of shared stillness now, I invite you to direct your thoughts and prayers to places where healing, understanding, compassion are called for. Places in ourselves, in the lives of those we know and love, in the life of the world. that hope and acceptance might replace despair.
and may the peace of this moment spread outwards into our wider world, a world where nothing stays the same. So may our care and our compassion help to free those who are enslaved in any way and bring hope to all those in need, this day and all days. Amen. Rebecca Solnit is an American writer, historian and activist and uh, here are a few extracts from a piece she published online about tyrants. Apparently she was very cross. This year Hannah Arendt is ever more relevant and her books are apparently selling well, particularly on the origins of totalitarianism. Arendt advocated for the importance of an inner dialogue with oneself, for a critical splitting in which you interrogate yourself, for a real conversation between the fisherman and his wife, you could say, in that story of the golden fish we heard earlier. People who can do that can actually then move on to having conversations with other people and what Arendt called the banality of evil was the inability to hear another voice the inability to have a dialogue either with oneself or the imagination to have a dialogue with the world, the moral world. This lack of an inner dialogue is found in many tyrants. Some use their power to silence that dialogue and live in the void of their own increasingly deteriorating off-course sense of self and meaning. It's like being on a desert island only with sycophants and room service. It's like having a compliant compass that agrees north is whatever you want it to be. We may have met such people. The tyrant of a family, the tyrant of a little business or a huge enterprise, the tyrant of a nation. Power corrupts and absolute power often corrupts the awareness of those who possess it. We gain awareness of ourselves and others from setbacks and difficulties. We get used to a world that is not always about us. And those who do not have to cope with that are brittle, weak, unable to endure contradiction, convinced of the necessity of always having one's own way. We keep each other honest. We keep each other good with our feedback, our intolerance of meanness and falsehood, our demands that the people we are the people we are with listen, respect, respond if we are free and valued ourselves. There is a democracy of social discourse in which we are reminded that as we are beset with desires and fears and feelings, so are others. As we are beset with desires and fears and feelings, so are others. Just a, a few spoken words to lead us into a time of shared stillness, which will end with a chime from our bell. In this time of meditation, I'm going to invite you to consider the idea of befriending our inner tyrants, which requires us to understand those mean, utterly determined, ruthless bits that most of us have inside us. The judging bits, the bits of us that think we're right always, 
etc., etc. But as always, in any Unitarian activity, feel free to choose your own thoughts instead. But I invite you to just take a few conscious breaths now to settle yourself in any way that works for you. Perhaps enjoy that feeling of your feet on the floor, part of the good earth on which we live. Aware of the sounds in this room and the sounds outside in busy London. The sound of the fan trying to move warm air around. Perhaps softening our gaze and focusing on the flowers or the candles or closing our eyes, whatever works for us. And just enjoying that feeling of shared stillness. There is something special, isn't there, about being quiet together with others. And in this time of stillness, I invite you to have a ponder of your own inner tyrants. The parts of yourself that tend to think they're right, that cut off from an inner dialogue, that stop the questioning curious part of ourself from saying, why did I just think that? Or do that? Or why do I always act in this particular way? Tyrants prefer there not to be questions. So let us rest in curiosity about ourselves and any tyrannical aspects of ourselves and our ways of living that we feel like considering this day. I'd, um, I'd like to think that we are all brave enough to stand up against tyrants. But a brief consideration of human history shows that we are really more likely to keep our heads down and hope that the situation improves. We like to think that we're in charge of our own destinies, don't we? But 
isn't the truth that most of us live at the mercy of economic, political and social forces alongside the chance nature of our upbringing, our educations, even our characters. When I first read that story that we heard earlier on of the fisherman and the golden fish, the fisherman who was so terribly bullied by his tyrannical wife, would you know I was longing for him to fight back, to stand up to her, to tell her to stop her greedy grabbing for more, more, more. But there's a gentle fisherman in most of us, not always with the strength to stand up for what we know in our heart of hearts to be right, not able to speak up against tyrants, be they world leaders or, or somebody much closer to home. And I reckon there is a tyrannical streak in most of us too, that part of us that is convinced that we're right, that part of us determined to get our own way, that part of us that closes off from the opinions of others. And I don't know about you, but my inner tyrant can as easily turn on me as on anyone else. A nagging, critical inner voice that knows all my weaknesses and failings and chooses my most vulnerable moments to point them out to me. Now I'm convinced that the way out of this tyrannical rule is through awareness and dialogue. We have to hear that sharp inner voice and start to befriend it. Pushing it away will not work for most of us. It needs to be integrated, understood, lived with. And the more that we can integrate our own inner tyrants, the more capable I think we are of dealing effectively with the larger tyrannies of our world. No longer projecting outwards onto and dramatizing all that exists in the world. No, gaining instead a more accurate sense of the real times in which we live. And very few of us are called upon to be heroes. And chance and choice both play a part in the heroic path. The Unitarian minister, Norbert Chapek, who wrote the hymn that we just sang, and who created the flower communion that we're celebrating today. Norbert Chapek had a long and creative life, both in his homeland of Czechoslovakia and in the United States, where he and his wife, Maya, also worked as ministers. As the uh, storm clouds that brought the Second World War loomed ever closer, Chapek could have chosen to return to the United States, but instead he chose to remain with his people and his church and to endure with them the Nazi invasion of their land. His services, apparently at church, just like today, would have had two Gestapo officers in attendance. But it was actually not until 1941 that Chapek was arrested and his crime, as I know some of you know, was listening to the BBC radio broadcasts on a radio that his congregation had bought him to celebrate his 70th birthday. He was imprisoned for a year and he might well have been set free at the end of that year had it not been for the murder of the Nazi commandant in Prague and Chapek and many others were in effect killed in retaliation. 
He died in a poison gas experiment in Harthouse Castle. So as we conduct our flower communion today, I invite us all to think about Norbert Chapek and the unique individual that he was. And let, let's honor his memory, his commitment to liberal religious expression, his willingness to stand up against tyranny and oppression for that which he knew to be right and true. And I also invite us each to fill this ceremony with a, a meaning that is relevant for us today. This message that we are all unique but equal is one oft heard today, but truly putting that idea into practice, I think continues to be quite a challenge for us all. And let's remember that there are still forces of oppression, still voices of tyranny, still confusions caused by prejudice and lack of education in our world, indeed here within British society today. So, so let's be the people who help to heal such divisions through our vision and through our commitment. So Norbert Chapek wrote, and I put these words on, on the order of service, that the church's task must be to place truth above any tradition, spirit above any scripture, freedom above authority, and progress above all reaction. So it's in that spirit that I'm now blessing this collection of flowers and this collection of people here together in one container. And in doing this, we're recognizing the unique contribution that each person brings to the society in which we live and to the groups which we belong to. So let's give thanks. Let's give thanks for the wondrous spark of individuality that makes each of us who we are. And let's be grateful for ourselves. However fragile and flawed we sometimes know ourselves to be, and let's give thanks for one another, the intriguing, irritating, glorious and exasperating folk we share our planet Earth home with. And let's give thanks for this, our church community. So I invite you as some music plays to come out in your own time to choose a flower to take home with you and to sit with it and bring your meaning to this simple or not so simple blossom. and uh, thank you everybody if you've not chosen a flower yet do feel free to take one there's more than enough for everybody Rabbi, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov wrote let the good in me connect with the good in others until all the world is transformed through the compelling power of love so in the week ahead May our goodness and our kindness and our love 
Connect with the goodness and kindness and love in all those we meet. And may the world be more welcoming and a little bit brighter because we exist. Amen. Go well and blessed be.